what's going on beautiful people welcome to another edition of the drop our second this week why because the drop is now twice weekly that's right greg wasinski ardo cal season three of the drop will be our biggest season yet not only are we happy to be back greg wasinski but we are back twice a week and we are back on different platforms as well yes you can watch us on the YouTube. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, or even if you don't like what you're hearing, subscribe, leave a little rating. We would appreciate it. Um, no, it's it's the greatest. Uh, this show has morphed and changed many a time over the last few years. Uh, you, have, you have seen us on YouTube breaking down uh, photos of the Boston Bruins having uh, early morning breakfasts in random diners. <laughs> you have seen us dressing appropriately outside of the stadium in South Florida with a bunch of mascots. Uh, we have fun here, and we're so happy that you've decided to join us. That fun will continue. As Wish mentioned, we do now have an NHL on ESPN podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. That's where the drop will live twice a week for the entire season if you're watching us on the nhl on espn youtube you can continue to do so we will be there our first live show of the season will actually be at the start of the regular season on tuesday october 10th 5 p.m eastern we will lead you in to our espn triple header 5 30 preds versus bolts 8 p.m connor bedard and the blackhawks debut against Sidney crosby and the pittsburgh penguins what a matchup that will be and then 10 30 the reigning stanley cup champs vegas golden knights will be taking on the seattle kraken but again we will get you started at 5 p.m eastern on espn twitter youtube wherever you get wherever you consume us the live version that will be our first live show of the year but again twice a week wherever you find us we really appreciate you sticking with us year three um, it's been awesome. And by the way, we did an Eastern Conference preview that is available wherever you find us. That is already in the can. It's already there for you. But here, we're going to do a Western Conference preview. And why don't we start with the Central and actually bring in our special guest. She is the co-host of the Bar Down Beauties podcast. Very happy to have her on the show, Jessie Pierce. All right, time for our Western Conference preview and very happy to have Jesse Pierce on the show, who is one of the co-hosts of the Bar Down Beauties podcast. Jesse, thanks for joining us on the show for the first time. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the Western Conference. Uh, very interesting conference. I know you're based in Minnesota. Uh, the Wild are a team that I can't quite figure out where they might land. Uh, why don't we start with that team? What is your outlook for the Minnesota Wild this season? Um, you know, I think you're along with everybody else. We not, we're not quite sure what to expect from the Minnesota Wild. Obviously, another very quiet offseason for Bill Guerin and company uh, because, as we all know, we'll say the word, their cash draft, the salary cap is terrible. It's working against them. So not too many changes for your Minnesota Wild. They obviously had Pat Maroon. Ryan Reeves kind of left to go to Toronto. So Maroon's hoping to fill that role. But beyond that, they don't have the money to keep anyone. They lost Matt Dumba. Lucky for them, they have prospects waiting in the wings. Brock Faber on defense, he looks solid. Marco Rossi, he is a guy that's going to come in and make an impact. Otherwise, you've got the names you know. Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Boldy, Marcus Johansson does return, which I think will be really exciting to see that chemistry he had with Matt Boldy continue to grow and elaborate. And then your goaltending tandem of Philip Gustafson and Marc-Andre Fleury. All of that being said, you guys, I still think they're going to be kind of 
meh. A little bit of a question mark, if you will, because other teams in the Central particularly did do some bigger things in the offseason to gain a little bit of a buoy up for themselves. So Minnesota will still be up in the top three or four spots of the Central, I, I like to believe. But it'll be kind of an interesting, maybe a potentially off year, at least this season, maybe even next season, while Bill Guerin continues to try to navigate that salary cap uh, strap he has from the buyouts of Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter. All right, let me hit you with a theory. The Wild are going to be mid, like you said. They might be a playoff team, but they're not like a cup contender, right? So they have a few people that are facing unrestricted free agency coming up after this season. A few familiar names. I think Zuccarello is one of them. So we've seen it before where general managers basically say, look, I don't think that this group can win, even though I like this group, even though this group can qualify for the playoffs. Doug Armstrong, I think famously has done this a few times with the St. Louis Blues. Would it behoove Bill Guerin and the Wild to move on from some of these familiar veteran names in the hopes that the team can level up around Kaprizov and some of the other players on the roster? I mean, I think that is somewhat of a long-term vision for him. I mean, Bill Guerin has told us before he sees it, similar to George McPhee in Vegas. It's a five-year outlook. You've talked about Minnesota Wild having this top prospect pool for years. They've got some really good Russians coming over, and we know how Russians love to play with each other. So Kirill has his eye on Danilia Yurov, who will spend at least another year in the KHL and then hopefully join the Wild next year. But it would be interesting. I mean, some of those other guys, you mentioned Matt Zuccarello on a contract year. Marcus Foligno also has his contract coming up. Ryan Hartman, some of those veteran pieces. However, Bill Guerin, he does love his guys. He loves his Marcus Felinos. He loves his Ryan Hartman. Um, and Matt Zuccarello has found this distinct chemistry with Kirill Kaprizov. So that's another one. I think he will start to see what things look like come November. Another player that I want to keep an eye on is that Marco Rossi. Again, a ninth overall selection for Minnesota a couple years back. Has not really found his place in the NHL. He did some really great things in the American Hockey League. But the big question is, is it a bust? Is it a player that they need to move on from? Because it's going to do Marco Rossi no good to bury him on a third and fourth line in this NHL team. And maybe you look at potentially using his value while he still has some early in the season. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, we all know Bill Guerin. We've seen him do it before. He's not afraid to make moves, even moves that might rock the boat in in uh, for longevity of winning is what he likes to do. He likes to create that culture. So it'll be interesting because I don't think Bill Guerin's a guy that likes to lose. He doesn't like to sit on the side and watch everyone play but at the same time there's only so much that he can do and I think he's aware of that without completely disrupting the uh the boat so it'll be an interesting season for your Minnesota Wild without question so you kind of alluded to the fact that other teams in the central uh were busier in the offseason what's your outlook for the entire division I mean, I think Dallas is going to be your number one team. I know we all love Colorado, and Colorado still has just those big pieces that we know and love. But maybe it's recency bias from what we saw against Dallas in the first round as the Minnesota Wild uh, exited early once again. Love Jake Ottinger. I love Miro Heiskanen and obviously Jason Robertson. And those aren't even their staple veteran pieces. So I think Dallas looks like the team to be. Colorado is going to be right up there. I do this every year, guys, and I don't love it. For some reason, I tie my wagon on to Nashville because Nashville's been active <laughs> the past few off seasons, and I'm like, yep, this yep. should work. On paper, this should work. So I think that they are going to finally get some traction going. I'm curious to see how Andrew Brunette does at the helm for his uh, his stint there at head coach. But they still have Roman Yossi. They still have Soros, right? They've got Ryan McDonough bringing in a guy like Ryan O'Reilly. Could be good. There's the championship pedigree. Is he, you know, a little on the 
latter end of father time probably but yep. nashville i think is the other one that's going to be interesting i know you've got bedard in chicago not going to do a whole lot for me guys i think chicago's still going to kind of be that roster just weirds me out i get a weird feeling with them in general i i feel bad for Connor bedard um and arizona's the other one that i think is going to be a really fun team to watch we obviously saw what logan cooley did in the preseason but all that being said that means minnesota again you're kind of as Greg said, mid. I like that. I'm learning to use new kid slang, so very mid is very appropriate. Well, you know, no, no one's more childlike than me. Um, you, you are correct uh, on <laughs> a lot of the things Despite being on the said. other end of father time. I like yeah. that quote. I like right. that. The, the funny feeling you have about the Blackhawks is uh, queasiness because they're terrible. They will make you yes. uh, physically ill watching much of that roster when Bedard's not on the ice. But I wanted to ask you finally for me, listen, you're a Minnesota fan. You lived under the tyranny of Kane and Taves for over a decade and the Blackhawks winning multiple cups, keeping the wild down, even in their good seasons. And now they win the lottery. They get Bedard as a wild fan. Are you, are you, you gotta be, you gotta be kicking yourself right now because this team might be again, looking dynastic within the next decade. Yeah. It's not fair. Like, why can't we have nice things as a Minnesota sports fan in general? We just cannot have nice things. I believe on the wilds Wikipedia page for a couple of years, Patrick Kane was listed as the owner of the Minnesota wild. So I mean, that's how <laughs> deep this goes. You guys, it's just like, of course, why not Chicago? I feel worse for Anaheim personally, because I think they're the ones that keep missing out on these big picks, right? Mm -hmm. They could have had Sidney Crosby. They could have got it. Just no, they get none of it. So you know, it'll be a long time coming. I'm okay with Anna or excuse me, Chicago staying bottom rung. Connor will be fun to watch, but Corey Perry helping him out isn't going to do a whole lot for him. Mm -hmm. So uh, it should be should be an interesting season for Chicago to say the least. But yes, I'm not looking forward to when they finally get all of their pieces together because we know they will because that's what Chicago tends to do because uh, Minnesota hates facing off against them when they are the dynasty that they can be. Do you have a Western Conference final prediction? You know who I really like is L.A. I really – and that's just oh. on paper, though. That's kind of my question. If I'm going – I think the Pacific's kind of a, a hot mess, to put it lightly, right? You've got your very top teams, and then you've got your San Jose Sharks. Sorry, Sharks fans. But I, I, I really they're like they're happy to be the worst, right? They're like, finally, yeah, we did it. Yay! <laughs> we actually did it. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but I really – I love – the LA Kings. I know everyone's again, very high on Edmonton. I can see that, but I just think things never go right for Edmonton. So from the West, I, I think LA and or Dallas are my two top picks. And that's mostly also because I kind of want to just not say Colorado. We all say Colorado every year. It's easy to say, I'm going to be different. I'm going either Dallas or LA for the West. Jesse Pierce uh, co-hosts the bar down beauties podcast. Uh, great to have you with us on the show. Please come back. Uh, what else is on your plate this season? Oh, gosh, everything. You can catch my work at NHL.com covering all Minnesota Wild home games, and that's not just the Wild. It's any news that breaks from them. Uh, Bar Down Beauties podcast released uh, new episodes each and every Tuesday. Plus, I cover the Vikings. We don't need to talk about that, though. It's terrible. Oh, no, do you want to do a deep dive? Do you want to do a deep year. dive into the Vikings? We can. If we got a lot of time here if you want to talk you know, about the Vikings. Vikings and Jets yeah. unite. Like, I mean, this is a great There you podcast. go. Yeah, that's no. true. That's true. <laughs> I go mean, ahead, guys, please. <laughs> Just pain, you guys. We're, tr so Arda, 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 pain. we're trying. We're trying to attract listeners, not drive them to drink. I think uh, death and Viking stock is the is not the way to go on this podcast. Not the way to go. Well, you guys are the best. I appreciate it always, and uh, look forward to catching you guys hopefully on a ring sometime soon. Thank you, Jesse. All Thanks, right, guys. take care. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, great to get Jesse's view of the Western Conference and the Central Division. Let's dive into it ourselves, Wish. Uh, we don't have a some of the divisions. We had a little bit of a similar structure on how we think it will shake down. This one a little bit different. How did you order your teams? Yeah, I, I had the Avalanche winning the division. I know that you are a little bit higher on the Dallas Stars than I am. Stars second. Wild are going to hang in there. Like, again, as we talked about with Jesse, they're just sort of mid. They're just sort of there. But I think their there is better than a lot of people's there in this league. And <laughs> okay. so I think the Wild will still finish third. Now, I do have the Nashville Predators, as, as Jesse referenced, as a wild card playoff team. I do think that the amount of talent they have on the roster is, is still strong. Uh, obviously, UC Soros between the pipes is uh, still, uh, you know, you put them between the pipes on any team, they're going to be a team that's going to contend. Uh, I love the O'Reilly ad. I love the uh, addition by subtraction with Ryan Johansson. Um, so I do think that there's a mystery a little bit in how they're going to play for Andrew Burnett. Um, but we've seen it before where he comes in and energizes the team, whether it was as the head coach interim uh, for the Florida Panthers, whether it was uh, run of the power play for the New Jersey Devils. He, he's a player's coach, and I think the players will play for him. So I do like the Predators to make the playoffs. And we both, I can see, are pretty high on the Arizona Coyotes, at least maybe being in the hunt for a wild card. I think that they are a very interesting team. They've got the mullet magic in the arena. They've got an infusion of great young talent, especially obviously Logan Cooley, who may have already scored the goal of the year in the first preseason game yeah, know, right? of the year in Australia. Uh, so we both are pretty high on the Arizona Coyotes as well. And now that's, that's going to be a fun story to watch. Yeah, definitely. Biggest mystery for me, uh, definitely the wild goaltending. Obviously, Philip Gustafson is back. Uh, sort of assuming that number one position, Marc-Andre Fleury in the mix. Uh, Fleury won't be called upon as much, which is probably a good thing because his save percentage has gone down in recent years when he's played 40-plus games, hovering around a 905-908. What version of Marc-Andre Fleury are we going to get, uh, particularly when he's less called upon? Um, obviously, twilight of his career, he's not thinking about retirement right now or at least not talking about it. That's an end-of-season thing. But there's still some intri intrigue with the goaltending for the Minnesota Wild. I know Jesse talked about it at length, uh, everything beyond between the pipes. But that goaltending tandem uh, is strong for the Wild. That that might elevate them from mid-status uh, and might cover up a lot. Just like Shesterkin with the Rangers a couple years ago might cover up some deficiencies or cover up some uh, holes that need to be filled for that team. So that's that's a big mystery for me. You're a little higher on Flurry than I think I am at this point in his career, but they do have uh, Wallstead in the uh, in the uh, in the in the minors ready to come up and and, and inherit the mantle. So they're in good Not shape. Not this there. year. They're, again, well, they're, they're a fascinating maybe. team because they're going to be good a few years from now, but they have to kind of get through this sort of mid-level thing that they're they're going through. Um, which team is going to be a bust? Is something I've mulled over a lot in the Central Division because we do have some teams with upward mobility. And I think there's one team that is descending the standings as we speak, which is the St. Louis Blues. I have them finishing seventh overall right ahead of the Bedard Blackhawks. 
I don't know, man. They're, they're a team that doesn't really seem to have a firm direction right now. They've got some great young players or players that are in their prime in, in Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas. Uh, they've got a collection of defensemen that are all okay, I suppose. Uh, but when you go into a season and the biggest intrigue is, will your goalie finally get a fighting major? I think you are entering a season with the lowest of expectations. And uh, I don't have a lot of them for the Blues. I think they're going to be uh, pretty bad this year. That's how I feel about the Jets. Uh, that's why I have them at seventh. Ooh. You have them at sixth. I have them at seventh. Man, there's just a bad vibe around the Jets in general. I hate to see that because I, I love the people of the city of Winnipeg. Uh, I have a lot of great moments in that city. I don't like this for them. I don't like it when players essentially come out publicly and say, I don't want to play here anymore. I don't like the stigma of the market and, 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 and whatever goes on there. Like, you know, you lose Blake Wheeler, you lose Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, and then there's still the cloud hovering over Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck. It's just it's, the vibe of that team is not where it should be. It's anything but immaculate. And I don't like to see it, but also I feel like whenever it's a toxic, you've seen this countless times, Wish, whenever it's a toxic locker room, which it could be, I'm not in the locker room, but if it is, that's going to permeate onto the ice and it's going to contribute to lackluster performance. Okay. Is Shafley still there? Yeah, he's still there. Is Hellebuck still there? Yeah, he's still there. I think one of them is going to resign, if I'm being honest with you. I think it might be Hellebuck who re resigns there. Um, listen, I, I think this team's got a little bit more going for it than 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 you claim. Okay. I mean, they've got Perfetti, who's going to be great, a great young player, a healthy Ehlers, hopefully. Morrissey's coming off a career year on the blue line. And of course, again, they have one of the best goalies in the world as the foundation for all of it. So I don't have them as a playoff team. And obviously the risk you run in saying that they might contend is that there still is a chance that if Shifley or Hellebuck are at their end of their road in Winnipeg, that one or both gets traded. Um, but as currently constituted, I think I think they have a chance to be in that four, five, six range in that division and maybe surprise some people. The player that you are most excited to see in this division? Oh, baby. We mentioned it. Logan Cooley is going to light it up for the Arizona Coyotes, man. And I ain't just saying that because the goalie scored the other night. I, I think my prediction for Logan Cooley is this. Connor Bedard is going to win the rookie goal scoring race. Everyone that has seen this kid play knows this kid knows that he's got a shot that is one of the most unstoppable things we've seen come through the NHL in a really long time. Uh, he can get it off in a variety of ways. Even if he's not playing with top flight talent on his line, I think that Bedard's going to get his. I think it's going to be 35 plus goals. However, I think Logan Cooley is going to win the rookie points race. Uh, with what he's going to put up with the Arizona Coyotes, playing with a little bit more better offensive talent, I think, overall than Bedard will. And I think at the end of the day, we're going to see this split like we have before Arda with the Calder, with a guy winning the goal race and a guy winning the points race. And then it's let the best narrative win. And I think at the end of the day, the best narrative is a guy excelling with the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> and I think Logan Cooley, I think Logan Cooley is going to steal the Calder. I really do. The mullet's going to go unhinged. Uh, I do, <laughs> speaking of chemistry, uh, Jesse mentioned it earlier, the chemistry between Matt Zuccarello and Kirill Kaprizov. They often have like Sedin level chemistry on the ice. I want to see where the chemistry is between Connor Bedard and Taylor Hall. Uh, if they're going to be the first line for the season for the Blackhawks, I want to see how that permeates, how that develops. Taylor Hall 
we saw with uh, interesting players, with good players, with talented players in Boston, had a little bit of a renaissance. We were talking about him being among the best third-line players in the NHL. Now he's obviously in a different situation with the Blackhawks, and now he's going to be a first-line player uh, with the next generation's big superstar as he has the potential to be in Connor Bedard. So I want to see how those two play off each other. I want to see what magic they're able to uh, perform on the ice. And if they click, they're going to be, even if, let, let me put it this way, even if the Blackhawks lose 8-6 every game, but Taylor Hall and Connor Bedard are getting hat tricks each or like four points a game, that's, even though that's not the goal for the Blackhawks, it's going to be fun for fans like me to watch. So I'm all for it and I want to see uh, where that goes. And that actually leads into my fascinating storyline. Like, where, what what are the Blackhawks? Like, we talked about them being a, oh boy, the, you look at this roster from top to bottom and it's iffy, it's difficult, it's tough, it's, whew, you know, you kind of wipe your brow at it. But at the top there, I still think there's enough for me to want to tune into some Blackhawks games this season, especially to see what Connor Bedard becomes. We need, we need an NFL red zone channel that's just Connor Bedard shifts because I don't want to put myself through watching the rest of that team. <laughs> Dude, they stay... They they strip that thing down to the foundations to get the first overall pick. It's gonna take a while to rebuild the mansion. I mean, we it's a hole in the ground, and Connor Bedard standing in the middle of it right now. Okay, so like I am all for tuning in to watch Bedard. I hope people do it on the first night of the season. At least there'll be some intrigue. But my my notion is that it is going to be a situation where we care a lot about what this kid is doing and then we are watching a team that is still very much built to not be good for the next couple of years. Uh, listen, I like that. How about just a star watch on every single game? Just Connor <laughs> Bedard. No matter what game you're watching, you're watching a Leaf Senators game, here's Connor Bedard yeah. watch on the side. Exactly. I like that. I like now, that. speaking of stars... Speaking of stars, my most fascinating storyline is the Dallas Stars, and they are a conference bridesmaid ready to maybe take the leap to play for a cup. They got stronger in the offseason. I love the Matthew Shane ad. You know, of all the guys that were like buyout beauties, I think the Duchesne ad was a real smart decision by the Dallas Stars. Put him on the second line behind that Pavelski-Robertson line. Uh, you're doing pretty good for yourself. They're going to have the hunger. They're going to be pissed off about the way things worked out in the playoffs. And uh, and I, they listen. They're a loaded roster with one, what I think is maybe the best goalie in the West and one of the best defensemen, Amir Heiskanen, in the NHL. So um, I don't have them like winning the division, but they could certainly be the team that emerges from the West this year. So that's the central for us. Let's move on to the Pacific. You will see from our points prediction, or rather our standings prediction, I should say. Pretty similar, except for four and yeah. five, uh, the Kraken and the Canucks. Um, I might be a little bit higher on the Kraken than you are, which leads us to our biggest mystery. What? Wh where are you with the Kraken this season? Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, you guys, we're going to have to drop the gloves on the Canucks and Kraken. That's the only disagreement that we have in this entire division <laughs> based on everything else. I'll tell the one that we might be wrong. I'll get to the Kraken in a second. The one we might be wrong on, you and my, I, you and me both, is, is the Flames. I mean, new coach in Ryan Uska, they get Daryl Sutter out of there. Uh, you expect bounce backs for some of these guys that had down seasons last year. The goaltending is still very strong. That's the only one I really struggled with in this division as far as like where I can see them being. 
um and we might be you know what it was for me it was it was like it it was like i was comparing them individually to each team and i was like "Ah, i can make the case that the oilers are better the kings are better the gold knights are better like that's how i looked at the flames but you're right like as the season progresses they could end up having an explosive year yeah the the kraken i'm i'm like a little bit down on i think they could take a little bit of a step back not a major one they're still going to be a contender but when you go into this season after the shooting percentage season they had last year like regression's a real thing and i look back at the history of teams that shot the lights out like the kraken did last year at five on five and what that looked like in subsequent seasons there's always a bit of a downgrade and and i think it's going to impact them i don't expect them to be a top five offensive team this year like they were last year and so a slight downgrade combined with what i expect to be an uptick by the vancouver canucks hopefully with a healthy thatcher demko a full year of, of Rick Tockett getting to kind of mold and shape this roster the way he wants to, uh, and an improved blue line, which to me is the most important thing. That that defense is going to hopefully be a lot better in front of that goaltending that they've got now with Demko and DeSmith. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking Canucks inch up, crack an inch down, and that's the big difference in the standings for me. Uh, but I am fascinated to see if the Kraken uh, do, do regress or if they build on what they built last year. I am fascinated with the Vegas Golden Knights and if they have another cup run in them. Uh, That franchise obviously has seen nothing but success. They've missed the playoffs once. They've been to the conference final a boatload of times, and now they have a Stanley Cup. All they do is win, 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 no matter what. Are they going to continue to do that? Um, There are a lot of teams, though. Like When you're looking up and down the list, it's almost like there's a logjam of teams that sort of quote-unquote deserve it, right? Like the Oilers, is it their time? The Kings, look how dangerous they look. Is it their time? The Canucks, they're on the come up. Like There's just those questions make me wonder – if VGK, where they fit into the conversation as it pertains to cup contenders, not whether they're going to make the playoffs. Obviously, we both think that they are going to make the playoffs, but whether they have another long cup run in them, particularly how the Pacific right. Division has has uh, formed this season. And to that end, look, there are different kinds of contracts in this league. You pay for potential, you pay for your a player in his prime, or you pay for services rendered. And I could be wrong here, Arda, but I think the Aiden Hill contract that uh, the Vegas Golden Knights gave their playoff hero was a classic services rendered contract paying for past performance. There's nothing that Aiden Hill has done in his career that makes me believe that he is a player worth that type of contract or worth term. I think he is a player you can replace and be quite okay with, with the team that you have in front of them. And in fact, I think that Logan Thompson, that extraordinarily impressive rookie that kind of fell off after he got an injury last year, is going to end up taking the crease from Aiden Hill at a much, much lower salary scale than the contract they just gave their playoff hero. So, look, I, I think Aiden Hill is set for life. I think that man's going to be able to go to uh, uh, memorabilia signings in the Vegas area for the next 20 years and do pretty well for himself. I, I, I understand why they did it. I understand he's a known commodity. I just look at Aiden Hill and I say to myself, this is not going to be somebody who's going to play up to the standards of those great two months that he had in the playoffs. Two years, $9.8 million is the contract. I, I mean, the term is is fair. Right? Sure. Like for the services rendered, to your point, like the term is fair. The the value, yeah, sure. But he won a Stanley Cup. So I still think it's hilarious that Jonathan Quick got to raise the Stanley Cup before Aiden Hill. 
on the ice. I get it. It's a whole like <laughs> veterans versus rookie thing. I understand that. Or, or sorry, um, yeah. uh, the the order in which the cup gets passed, etc. I get that. I just think it's funny. It, it was just a crazy visual. Uh, Trevor Zegris on the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, where are we with that? Is there going to be a bridge deal? Three to four million is mm. the number that's sort of floating out there right now, whether that's confirmed or not, uh, or, or you know reported. However, it may be like I just I wonder about Trevor Zegris. He's at his best. He is extremely exciting. At his best, he's one of the best players to watch in the NHL. Uh, 23 goals in each of his last two seasons. He's creative. He's inventive. But where, how, here's two things. Where is he in his development? How would he play with super talented players around him? He does have some good pieces. Like Troy Terry is a great player. Like there's some good pieces in Anaheim, but there's still a team that's not at, at the level of contending for a wild card right now on paper as they stand. And what will this negotiation do for the relationship between Trevor Zegers and the Anaheim Ducks? Will is he uh, truly offended by Pat Verbeek's initial offers here? Is he, will this be beyond repair? Is he going to even want to take a bridge deal? Like these are all questions that I think of whenever we're in this sort of situation, especially with a player as young as Zegers and as talented as Zegers, where the potential is still high. So to me, uh, I wonder what that era of his career will be, and that's why he's in the bust category, not because he will be a bust, but I wonder about his time with the Ducks. Yeah, I mean, the only way he's a bust this season is if they go to him and say, we need to play defense. He's like, ah, I don't know what that is. Ah, and he runs away screaming. Um, <laughs> the player I'm most excited to see, Arda, Evan Bouchard at the Edmonton Oilers. Um, for the simple fact that he's going to be obviously playing with two of the best offensive players in the world. What we saw last year is when he was elevated to a uh, more prominent role in ice time and uh, visibility after the trade of Tyson Berry. Uh, he excelled. And I think a full season in that role, plus playing on what is the most lethal power play the league has seen in many a, a decade, uh, will be uh, good things for the uh, bright, young, puck-moving defenseman for the Edmonton Oilers. Give me Evan Bouchard as the player I'm most excited to see in the Pacific. Obviously, the the answer here is McDavid. But uh, how about Quinn yeah. Hughes as captain? Uh, you talked about the Vancouver yeah. Canucks. I like I like Quinn Hughes as the choice, and I like that he has veterans and also like a good. He has a good support system. You know how they say um, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. Surround yourself with mm. good people. Like th these are the quotes that you hear. Quinn Hughes has that in Vancouver. He has great talented players, but he also has good locker room people that he is surrounded by uh, to keep him on course as a young captain in the NHL. He's only 23 and he's grown very well. He's he is getting to that elite tier of defensemen in the NHL and it's wonderful to see. I mean all the Hughes brothers. I mean Luke Hughes is probably going to have a uh, a terrific year uh, with his brother Jack in New Jersey as well, but like I like what I'm seeing from Quinn Hughes in Vancouver. The vibe is shifting. The paradigm is shifting for this team. Uh, and so I, I'm going to keep an eye on Quinn Hughes particularly and how he acts not only on the ice, not only how he plays on the ice, but how he composes himself and how he acts off of the ice. It's going to be really, really interesting uh, for me. Most fascinating right. well, story. I know, I know he's the captain. Mm -hmm. I know he's the captain. This is the first time I'll do it this season. Devils trade for Quinn Hughes, unite the Triforce, the Hughes Triforce <laughs> in New Jersey. The moment you do that, you, you just start winning Stanley Cups. You never stop if that happens. Of course, it probably won't happen now that he's the captain of the Canucks, but that's neither here nor there. Um, for me, 
he's going to be an interesting storyline. The Canucks are an interesting storyline, but the most fascinating storyline in the Pacific for me is the Oilers. I mean, is this the year they break through? I thought it was the year last year. I picked them to win the cup and uh, they did not go all the way, uh, even to the conference final. Um, look, it's going to happen at some point for Connor and Leon. Uh, they're two uh, generational talents on the same team. The supporting cast around them seems to be getting better and better. The goaltending is still specious. Uh, the overall defense is still a little bit specious. Um, but again, the addition of that column last year, the breakout of Nugent Hopkins uh, offensively last year, like there are signposts along the way that tell you the Oilers are getting there. And it's just a matter of time before Connor and Leon strap this team on their back in the playoffs and carry it all the way there. And to me, that's the most fascinating thing about this division is, is it the time for the Oilers to emerge? And the vibe is good in the locker room to hear Ekholm talk about the Oilers and how excited he was not only to join them, but how to continue on with them. Uh, that's what you want to hear, especially from a team that's poised to make a cup run. So uh, can Connor McDavid get to 160 points, 170 points, 200 points? Wow. I, and I'm honestly I, I, asking these questions. I am not, this is not hyperbole. I am legitimately asking these questions. He already exceeded marks that we thought we would not see again in the NHL. He's had these blockbuster seasons where he's done things we haven't seen since the 90s. And to me, the my thought is he's not going to stop there. Like, by the end of it, we will look back and say, wow, those were like once-in-a-lifetime seasons that we saw from a player like Connor McDavid. And we're going to put him in the same conversation as Wayne Gretzky. Like, it, it, he's getting there. He really is. I, could, if I told, Wish, honestly, if I said to you, Connor McDavid could get 200 points, would you look at me uh, like I had four eyes? No. I, I would say uh, if he decides that's what he, he wants to do this season, that'll be what he does. I mean, that's the beauty of Connor, is that just like the sky, when we say the sky's the limit, I mean, like, the sky might not even be the limit. It might be like, Beyond, beyond the sky, maybe like the, the, the atmosphere ahead. Like it's, it's incredible to watch this kid play. And uh, statistically, to think we've only scratched the surface with what he's already accomplished is incredible to me. Now, I did want to bring up one team, though, before we get to our predictions, which is, which is the Kings. Jesse mentioned them. We've kind of danced around them a little bit. On paper, they might be the best team in the West. I ain't going to lie to you, man. Like you th look at the depth they have at forward now between the players they've acquired over time, Dubois being the latest to go with Arvidsson and Fiala. They've got the kids on the roster all maturing. Byfield was a top-line player for them last year. They've still got Kopitar. They still have Dowdy. Um, the goaltending, again, they're trying to do the VGK thing where they have Cam Talbot and, and Phoenix Copley and hoping for the best there. That's the weakest part of the team. But on paper, man, like she said, they, they are legitimately great what is it about them that has you and I both not thinking they'll emerge from the Pacific? It might just be press. It might just be bias. Honestly, like that, that center depth is insane, dude. Kopitar, yeah. Dubois and Deneau. Philip Deneau is oftentimes the best third line center in the league. Like he is so good, yeah. especially defensively faceoffs. Like this is a crazy, crazy team on paper. I agree. Um, what makes us think that they're not, Okay, okay. I think the Oilers have a lot to do with it. To your point about, yeah. like, the uh, McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, it's almost like the hockey world, other than your team you support, it's almost like the hockey world is willing 
the Oilers to win a Stanley Cup. Half because we believe that McDavid deserves a Stanley Cup, Dreisaitl deserves a Stanley Cup for their contributions to hockey and how incredible they are, but also so that we shut up about it. So it's like, okay, they won their cup. <laughs> now we can focus on other things. Because so long as they don't win a Stanley Cup, that's always going to be a topic of conversation. It's like the Leafs of the West, right? So, like, to me, yeah. that's a big uh, air suck as it pertains to conversations. And outside of the L.A. market, there are other big pieces in the West that people focus on more than the LA Kings. And maybe they shouldn't be, maybe the Kings should be more in the conversation than they are. Probably. And, and uh, you know, I think our, our listeners in Calgary are about to have an aneurysm with you saying everybody's pulling for McDavid to win a cup. I don't think that's the case. <laughs> yeah, they're like Calgary's like, what are you talking about, dude? Yeah. <laughs> but look, if you're looking for a team though, and again, I'm not picking them. And, and like you said, maybe it's just the notion of like, they haven't been able to get past the Oilers, so why would we pick them to do so this time with the Oilers being better than they've been? But if you're looking for a team that is poised to replicate the VGK model from last year, which is a team that is so good up front and so accomplished defensively, because they're also very good defensively, I think, too, um, in front of average goaltending, but they still excel, it, it's probably L.A. So we, we are probably underselling them a little bit. Um, which is why I thought it was important that we at least address the uh, the Kings before we explain why we don't think they're going to win. Uh, Western Conference final for me is going to be the Dallas Stars and the Edmonton Oilers. The Stars get back there for a second straight season. For a second straight season, they are left holding the bouquet. Uh, I think the Oilers do it this year. I think they get through. Um, uh, it's a chalky pick. Uh, they're the favorite of a lot of people, but I, I think I think I, and I'm going to talk about this in a second too when we talk about our cup pick. I talked to Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid about this during the Vegas Players Media Tour. At some point, they were going to reach that Nathan McKinnon disgust with losing insatiable hunger to grab the Stanley Cup moment. And I think it was after last postseason. I think you watch Dreisaitl in that press conference after the, they were eliminated. And he's got that look in his eye. Like, I cannot do this again. I've heard tales of the things Connor McDavid said to his locker room after they were eliminated about being prepared for next season. And it tells me he has reached that Nathan McKinnon moment of abject disgust with losing. And once you get there, once you get that hunger, there's only one way to satisfy it. And it's with advancing from the West and playing for the cup and I think that's why the Edmonton Oilers will. You have the Edmonton Oilers winning the Stanley Cup. I have the Avalanche and the Oilers in the Western Conference Final. And yes, that itch will be scratched all the way to the big dance. McDavid, Dreisaitl and company. Stanley Cup Final on ABC against the <laughs> Stanley Cup champion, Toronto Maple Leafs. Congratulations, Toronto. You finally Damn! did it. So I will be there we on Young have... Street. We both have Oilers and Leafs in the final. Matthews versus McDavid. Yep. Somebody will win the first Stanley Cup for the great nation of Canada. Yep. I just spit up a little bit in my mouth. Uh, since 1993. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be Oilers-Leafs. You have the Leafs winning. Mm -hmm. And I have the Oilers winning. Yep. And you need to explain to me now, Toronto Homer boy, what it is about the Leafs that you think has them as hungry 
as the Oilers. Because to me, that's the major malfunction of the Leafs right now. They made it past the first round for the first time. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. They're going to advance again this season, I think, too. But do they have, does Austin Matthews have the eye of the tiger? Does he have the thing where he cannot lose or else his life is devastated? Much like my boys Connor and Leon have right now. I think by making it to the second round and losing the way they did, that's even more painful than losing in the first round again. You finally get out of that hole and that's what happens. But then in the offseason, you make a lot of interesting moves. Ryan Reeves, Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi. You could argue that those three players are an upgrade from the players they replaced. The likes of Bunting and Kerfoot and Wayne Simmons, for example. So you could say on paper the Leafs are a better team than they were in that Florida Panthers series. And you see the players remain healthy. Austin Matthews has the contract shored up. That's not a distraction to the team. You could see him going on a run like he did a couple seasons ago, that Hart Trophy campaign that he had. And listen, if there's any team in the NHL that has, maybe it's fueled by the fans more so than the players in the locker room, but it's enough to be surrounded and consumed by it, Wish. It is absolutely the Toronto Maple Leafs that have the most pressure on them if McDavid and Drysaddle don't have that level of pressure themselves. So for me, right. this is the Cinderella run that the Toronto Maple Leafs fans have been waiting for, and they raise the cup, and you and I will be painted blue on Young Street just for the content. I think, I think. listen, we are known to, to place a wager now and again on this podcast, on this show. Mm -hmm. We will definitely place a wager on this at some point. The first stage of the wager is that if the Oilers win the cup, you buy me an Albertan steak dinner. Uh, if Toronto wins the cup, I will buy you uh, Toronto street meat. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sounds fair to me. Hey, by the way, Toronto street meat is excellent. Okay. So first of all, don't be smirched. Do not from be smirched to Toronto hot dog. Granted, I'm, I'm winning on price point. Let that be said. But from a quality <laughs> perspective, street meat in Toronto at like 2 a.m. can't be beat. Nothing it's really beats great. It. You know what else can't be beat? The fact that this podcast is here twice a week now. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, on the NHL and ESPN audio feed. We are back in podcast form. Greg Wyshynski returns to podcast forms with the NHL, Whee! which is amazing. You love to see it. Still on YouTube. And don't forget, October 10th, start of the regular season. We are live at 5 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Twitter to get you set for the ESPN triple header as the 2023-2024 regular season begin so that was our western conference preview if you want to hear our eastern conference preview it has already been posted wherever you find the drop twice weekly we will see you next tuesday in the meantime and in between time thanks for listening goodbye